Hello and welcome. This is your In the Money Players podcast for the races of Saturday, November 18th. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, coming to you from Gallery 55 in Brooklyn, upstairs. The bunker's too hot. I don't know what's going on down there, but it's... it's uh, I was sitting there this morning working and I was sweating, so I decided to come upstairs to do some recording, recording this first segment on Thursday. The rest of the show will be done on Friday to join me to kick things off and to look at racing north of the border, as he so often does, is our friend, our business manager, Drew Coney. Drew, what's going on, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. <clears throat> Getting ready for a big trip here coming up. Um, heading down to Texas to go sit in a deer stand for a couple of days. Nice. And, uh, Relax and eat some good food, and uh, hopefully bet on some of these horses here this weekend. I like it. You 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 enjoy the, the hunting horse racing double. You can you can make that work. Yeah, I mean, uh, sitting in a deer stand is beautiful in the morning, right? You get to literally wake up with the woods, um, so it's really fun to watch and sit around. But rounding nine in the morning, sun's been up for a couple hours. It gets a little boring, so you're starting to look at. at uh, Maybe some uh, Euro cards and then moving into uh, U.S. racing. So. <laughs> like a proper, like a proper degenerate. Well, the Cheltenham Open meeting this weekend. I was originally in my dream travel plan going to be headed to uh, England this weekend, but Susan had a a more um, important work trip in Columbus of all places. Um, so she is headed out. She's on a plane now heading that way. Perrin and I will be watching the racing and NFL action uh, by our lonesome this weekend. Well, well, Susan's off, uh, you know, doing the important business work and I'll have to just find another excuse to get to England and or Ireland in the next few months. I, I'm, I'm sure we'll manage. We're going to get you over there at some point. I know. I know. I need to, I need to lay down a bet with a, a, an actual punter. Um, <laughs> We're so. the punter. They're the bookmaker. Yeah, whatever the lingo is, and uh, hopefully I don't get kicked out trying to put 75000 down on something. <laughs> I wonder if they'd take that bet in the ring at Cheltenham. I think they probably would. They, they might they might uh, get you a little bit first. Bigger but, days, I would imagine. Smaller days. I've heard some some stories about, you know, laying 100, 200 down gets you some questions asked of what are you doing. Interesting. Yeah, I've never bet that. I've never bet more than a couple hundred at a at, – and it's always – you know, I'm always there for big meetings. So I've never had right. – I've never had that happen. I, uh, that's a great question that I should know the answer to, actually. Um, but we're here today to talk about this Saturday's racing up north of the border at Woodbine. And uh, why don't we start off by looking at race number seven. It's kind of a fun little sequence we, we have cooking here. We start off with the uh, Phillies and Mares in the starter allowance going a mile and a 16th. And uh, a race where I had a fairly strong opinion, but curious to get your take on it first. Yeah, we're gonna play guess the lines because I did not get to see the morning line. Oh, I have them. We can we can steal we steal so much from Gil Alexander over here. We can we can now do a little we can, we can do a little guessing lines. Yeah, yeah, I did this last week with uh, or two weeks ago with Nick Tamaro. I think he might have taken offense to it of uh, me trying to nail down a morning line uh, <laughs> like I did. Um, there was no offense, Matt. So I'm gonna start this off with a uh, sense you left uh, at two to one. Okay, my, um, what I'm that I agree with you that that would have been my guess as to price. And that is my top pick. Interestingly, on the morning line listed at seven to two. And okay. just for another data point, sometimes when I'm looking early, I enjoy the Equin Edge pro- project. They're not partners of ours now. Hopefully they will be again. They have been in the past, but they have the fun Equin Edge morning line, which is always interesting when you're when you're looking at this stuff very early. And 
interestingly, they have five to one. I mean, there's no way this horse could be five to one. I don't think the horse could even be seven to two. I think your two to one is, is a great guess based on the fact that this horse looks like low in speed. Flow move up yeah. coming out of the last race. Second off a long layoff. And I love the fact it's sort of interesting. It's like a de facto drop where the horse is still protected just because it's so much of an easier race than last time. All the arrows point to the six to me. Did you did you want anything else to go with her? Yeah, I, also the number seven, Amy's Link. I guess 12 to one. Uh, I'm seeing six to one right now, so that seems a little short, but has been against the pace flow in the last two starts. And if anyone does go with, since you left, that should heat up the pace and set it up for the number seven, Amy's link to hit the frame. So just those two for me in this this pretty tough opening event. Interestingly, Amy's link, you mentioned six to one on the morning line. Equinedge actually on their morning line has that one short, has that one seven to two. So oh uh, a lot of a lot of questions about how this one's going to be bet. But I do think I think the pace factor is going to send a lot of money in the way of the runner we like. But as long as we're, you know, five to two, two to one even, I, I make you know, I'd make a small bet, and as the price goes up, I, I I might bet a little more. Though, interestingly, since you left is also the kind of horse that, because it has the pace advantage, I almost feel like is supposed to be bet. So I'd be a little, I'd get a little nervous if it was if there was five or six to one. Yeah. That might be the market screaming some negative signal. But you know, right. hopefully in that five to two, three to one range, I'd feel really good about uh, I'd feel really good about taking a chance. That one, Drew, going to back up with the seven as well and or a secondary use for horizontals, which leads us to race eight. We've got an allowance. We're going seven on the synthetic. We've got a field of 10 going postward here. There's another pace angle for me. I like number three, Frosted Over. And the angle in part for me is here's a horse that was uh, close to the pace going farther. Now, even cutting back all the way to seven furlongs, still projected to be on the lead here. Artie Storm, who won that last race, you know, would be one to five in this spot, just a superior animal to, to what's being faced today, in my opinion. I, I frosted over. Very, very interesting. Slightly concerned that might be a little flattered. It was definitely a speed favoring race shape the last day, but I don't, I think frosted over is, is the right horse in this spot. And uh, in the midst of the form cycle, fourth run now as a gelding is going to be very, very tough to down in here who did you come up with in race number eight yeah same thing as frosted over the only thing i'll add is this one broke made in going this distance and did it very well and i think if can run back to even that form uh should have this field pretty well taken care of so that one and then i'm also going to use the number five wayburn i guess four to one um i see it's at six to one right now i like the new face in here with some decent pressing speed gets first jump around the for around the far turn um, last two races were pretty abysmal, but maybe that was a class and a bridge too far um, and gets a little bit of relief on both of those fronts. So has had some huge workouts over here um, in October and November, firing off two bullets. Um, so Weyburn could be locked and loaded, and I don't want to leave off to any tickets, especially at the price we're going to see of I put four to one and six to one on the morning line. Um, that seems like good value there. I get it. Uh, Weyburn hasn't run on, has never run on synthetic. This is a horse that would have been, I remember thinking this horse was going to be, it would have been the Queen's Plate then type runner. And they opted, you know, they, they were like, they thought they had a, you know, a grade one dirt horse, you know, from the way they, they campaigned. Yeah. And that didn't quite work out. But now sort of being reinvented on the synth against the north of the border rivals, I, I 
tend to agree with you. That would be, I'm actually going to go ahead and list as a, as a secondary pick for me as well. We're going we're gonna to be in absolute lockstep through these two races. I also wonder if off the 90-day layoff, if this could be more of a prep for Weyburn and they're thinking about starting the campaign here and then going to South Florida and uh, and picking up there if they still believe this one can be a big graded stakes winner on the dirt. I don't exactly know what's happening here, but definitely an interesting runner to keep on your radar in race number eight. Graded stakes action in race number nine. Kennedy Road, six furlongs on the synthetic field of 10. Lots of familiar names, including the wind machine, Patches O'Houlihan, dodgeball-themed uh, name, going for the seventh race in a row. Are you with Patches or against him? I think I'm against Patches in this spot. I, I have three horses I'm going to use. Ice Chalk a lot. I think we'll get finally the pace setup this one's been looking for for a while. It switches back to the all-weather where has earned some really good figures, especially back in May. Um, Notch at a 96 buyer. Um, I think this one could be a big upset, and I don't think we'll see three to one. I think it'll be closer to four to one, five to one, because all the money coming in on patches. The other two I want to use: Flag of Honor. Um, I see this horse is installed at ten to one. That seems like a great price. Second start overseas. I think ran a really good one into a neutral pace flow and finished well. Um, and that's going to kind of be the theme for me in my top two: is who can who can finish well and uh, KK gets aboard, taking over for Emma Jane. So. Julia Carey is firing fairly well right now at 24% uh, out of 33 runners. Uh, so this one, I think, should be all over your horizontal bet or vertical bets at a minimum, finishing in the second and third place. And then lastly is Dream Shake. I think it just pressed the pace, let, let Patches O'Houlihan uh, do his thing and uh, and then kind of fade late, and Dream Shake will be right there to pick up the pieces. So. I've got three horses in here. I think it's going to be a fascinating race. I just don't think the pace is going to fare, fare uh, very well for Patches O'Houlihan getting pressed so early. I've thought that before, and Patches has kicked sand in my face. But I'm with you with that supposition in the spot. And it was your third horse was the one I wanted to focus on. That's Dream Shake. I've always been a big fan of. And what really attracted me to Dream Shake was I just felt like the form was fairly dirtied up off those last couple of runs you know Kentucky Downs is is kind of its own animal was close to that fast pace in there um tried to come running last day but you know I don't think the yielding turf necessarily saw him to best effect and was still I mean only beating a neck in the end that was a good run obviously big invasion has done a little bit for that form since as well and I think should pull a really nice inside outside kind of trip tactical speed to maybe get the jump on some of those deeper closers and I'm hoping could come and attack on that turn and come run by them all dream shake for me a little Hakeem Olajuwon you're going to Texas so it's appropriate we get a little Hakeem Olajuwon love to beat the dodgeball horse in race number nine at Woodbine Kennedy Road Stakes on Saturday we got one more it's the nightcap race number 10 Phillies and mares in the allowance ranks. We're going a mile and a 16th of the synth. Another race to me looked like it might have some pace signed on. That's where I was going to attempt to, uh, to make my case, see if we could get something uh, maybe a little bit interesting to happen in here. But uh, we'll ask you the key question, my friend, when it comes to all these uh, late picks at Woodbine on Saturday, how are we going to get paid? Yeah, I'm going to go with three horses, but I think you could go in a ton of directions because this is a tough race, but First one is Lady Moonshine. I think could press the base and get a ground-saving trip with that inside draw. Um, Drexler and Savachi are doing quite well for themselves, 21% together 
and each of them have uh, 24% respectively um, win percentages themselves. So I think I think Lady Moonshine could get around there very nicely and has the figures to fit. Also, the number eight, she makes a point. Uh, one and N2L last out, steps up here, but could just get loose again overall. Uh, needs to prove it to me. Um, eight to one feels like the good price if this horse drifts down to three to one. Feels like a terrible price on what could easily get run down. And then lastly, Wickenheiser. I think that fits your mold of there's a lot of pace. This one would get the the run of it then. Yep. Coming out of the King's Plate and the, the Woodbine Oaks, trying to go through those routes. And I think it's a class drop here. I was a little disappointed in the N2L event last out. Um, was well bet to even money and disappointed. So hopefully we can still see a price on Wickenheiser, the number 10 here. I'm going to go with a, a, a much uh, bigger price, goofier closer that doesn't make as much sense on the numbers. Uh, while I have respect for the ones that you mentioned, especially Wickenheiser, who I've always been a big fan of. But Fish Mooney, the five runner, I thought was a bit interesting. Just one of these horses coming out of trying to close with blue fractions and now getting into a spot where it feels like you're going to see plenty of red fractions and plenty of pace to set up a late run. I think Fish Mooney can get involved, especially if you're in a fixed odds world and can get something around the morning line price of 15 to 1 on this one. Let me take a quick look at the Equin Edge morning line to see what uh, see what kind of price we're getting on uh, on Fish Mooney in there. Maybe one other data point. Yeah. Equin Edge has an 8 to 1. Maybe that's more realistic. But even at that price, I, I'd be a little bit interested in Fish Mooney to try to get a piece. And I certainly wouldn't be leaving Wickenheiser off of my tickets as a as a backup in here and and maybe trying to maybe trying to get something done guessing at who might be the best of speed as a backup as well maybe that's blueberry fields who stalked and pounced effectively but main idea is the five with a little bit of the 10 and the three to close things out for me at woodbine all right you ready to you ready to get on your uh you ready to hop on the plane and get down to your to your weekend away i am yeah i i sure am uh i'll be i'll be looking at the cards this weekend uh, some college football action. I'm bringing down cheese curds from Wisconsin. Nice. Was kind enough to uh, ship me some <clears throat> squeaky cheese curds. So it should be a good, good little trip down here. Have you ever cooked random smoking question? Have you ever cooked ribs ahead of time and tried to reheat them for a party? I have not, but I imagine you could. Yeah. Just... I'm thinking you just sort of stop at the crutch stage. Right. And then just reheat from there like is that yeah i would put them in an oven to reheat them and grill them off yeah that's kind of what i was thinking just get it get it all i'm thinking this could be a fun thanksgiving appetizer i know that jack jenkins who's a a master of the green egg had some ideas about this i'll I'll give him a call and check but when you're talking about food things that pops to mind because of course we got thanksgiving coming right up and i've got my you know the bird the farm bird is on the way and all this good stuff but uh, I just thought the I thought the ribs might be fun, and I don't have a smoker out in Port Washington where we'll be. So I was thinking that might be a good way to uh, yeah a good way to tackle it. Uh, my, yeah. my only concern would be with so much mass in the bone itself, um, cooling them down and throwing them in a fridge might be tough. So you may want to 
break down those ribs a little bit, create more airflow around and let them sit out and then throw them in the fridge. Well, that's an interesting idea. Just let it get to room temp. But yeah, I think that's actually smart. Generally speaking, you don't want to put hot food in the, in the fridge, right? So it's, it's, it's probably a good, probably a good idea. Anyway, you slice it. We got to get back to doing some NFL chat. You know, we got, we were sort of in the rhythm for a while. We were going back and forth, but we, we got to, uh, yeah, we need to get back on that uh, on that beam. I haven't really looked at much this weekend. I still am alive in one survivor pool. I will be taking the low hanging fruit of the Washington uh, Commodores or whatever they're called. That's not it. That's what Gil calls them. They're actually called the, the Commanders, um, and we'll uh, we'll take them against the Giants for for purposes of ease this week. What about you? Did you have any quick uh, any quick NFL thoughts before we get out of here? Yeah, I think the Lions are going to be fun to to play against the Bears. They just need to cover the touchdown. That one seems interesting to me. Deshaun Watson going out for the Browns. <clears throat> I don't know how much of an upgrade or a downgrade he really was. And as long as the Browns uh, keep control and don't actually turn the ball over a ton, um, Browns-Steelers could be interesting. I've never seen a total this low at 32.5 points. That's insane. Is Browns there weather Steelers. expected too? That seems too <clears throat> That's there might be some weather. I know. I know uh, Columbus is going to get some this weekend. So it is stinking, stinking low. Um, <laughs> yeah, Cowboys <laughs> minus ten and a half. They can push the Panthers around. Yep, I mean, it, it's a fantastic yeah. slate, and it starts tonight with Bengals Ravens. Which yeah, it's a really good. Kind of, that's a really good game. That'll have happened by the time anybody's listening to this. But I'm I'm pumped to see that. And you know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm there, there's still a little bit of room for me on this Ravens bandwagon. So I'm I'm interested in that. And I hear where you're going with Cleveland. Just you know, the defense keeps them in games. So that they're, yep. they're 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 very interesting, especially potentially for some some in game stuff when you know you know that's what you've got on side. All right, buddy. Well, enjoy your trip away. We'll do this again next week, and uh, we'll be talking soon. Let's get some winners. Next up on the show, a man who's uh, quickly becoming a regular, which is what happens when you do a good job around here. And as we say, no good deed goes unpunished. So we reach back to our friend from under the Twin Spires to talk to us about Churchill Downs' last five races on this Saturday, Kevin Kirstein. Kevin, what's going on, man? Man, that's quite the honor. I'm. Uh, that's quite the intro, too. That's. Uh, I'm glad I'm a regular. I'm you do you guys do a great job and uh hope i can live up to the hype you had some really good ideas last week were you able to connect the dots in some sort of paying fashion i i i got a little piece but not as much as i should have thanks to our friend command performance yeah i was uh i was a bad gambler last week it's you know that's you know most of the puzzle is you know trying to figure out what bets to make and how to make them and i was just a bad gambler last week i wish i would have gotten more but there's always this week, Pete. Exactly. There's always fresh, as my great friend, the racing writer, uh, William Murray, author of books such as uh, Tip on a Dead Crab and many others used to say. And we will proceed right to this Saturday. And a two-year-old maiden special weight for Phillies going six furlongs on the dirt. This race was a, a, a bit of a head scratcher, but I, I, I came up with a couple I wanted to nominate. But we'll, we'll let you light the candle on this late pick five. Yeah, you know, this this late pick five starts and ends with the same race, which was split into two divisions, and uh, they're both difficult, I think. Um, you know, this is sort of the precursor of the Stars of Tomorrow 2 program, which is going to be next Saturday, which will feature all two-year-old races. There's just so many that are on the backside right now, so you're seeing 
all of these two-year-old main special weights split into multiple divisions and, uh, you know, just a precursor of what's to come next weekend. But this race, you know, I thought the edge would be the one with uh, experience. That's the three Bedazzle M for Jeff Engler. This was a $750,000 purchase for the Tommy Town Thoroughbreds. A half to grade three winner, just Cindy, uh, who was, uh, you know, very precocious in her own right. As a two-year-old, I thought this horse ran okay on debut. I wouldn't take much of Ricardo Santana jumping aboard uh, the Asmussen horse from the railed lady driller. You know, if I'm, you know, playing politics and I'm representing Santana, I'm riding for Asmussen too. So, uh, but I do think this horse with the experience edge is the one to beat. Pete, there's some chatter on the backside that this horse is going to take action this race. The number seven, Tis Sweet Emotion for Jimmy Baker. Uh, you know, this horse is uh, out of the dam. Tiz Kismet, who didn't break her maiden until a four-year-old. It's not much precocity to look at necessarily, but there's just lots of buzz on this horse. And, um, you know, you may want to include this horse. 15 to 1 on the morning line, Declan Carroll. I think I've heard from about seven people to uh, this horse is live on Saturday. So one to include her in the mix as well uh, as, as a first-time starter. But I'd lean to more experience in this race. The five beautiful mischief came out of that same race. Uh, you know, came out of a turf race at Keeneland. Uh, I think could run fine on the dirt. She's by into mischief. Uh, you know, she she may be one to, to throw into the gimmicks as well. But it's a uh, interesting race to kick off the late pick five with the three bedazzle M. I wouldn't be, you know, necessarily, you know, against a heavy lean on her to kick off the sequence. Bit of a grab bag for sure, as evidenced by the fact that you mentioned three and I mentioned, I want to mention two, and none of them are, are the same runners. I wrote it down three, seven, and five for you. I wanted to talk about a, a horse that I think could be a decent price in here. The number two, how soon is now? And not just because I'm a big fan of the Smiths. It's mostly a trainer angle in here with how good uh, Lynch is with second-time starters generally. Speaking, has a flat bet profit over the last five years and a very good percentage. And I just thought the debut was one of those like subtly better than it looked, split the field after a, a tricky trip. The form of that race is a little iffy. Eight have come back. None have won. But the figures have mostly held up. I thought how soon is now could be interesting at a price. And then the other one, if the 13 happens to draw in uh, outspoken, I just thought that was one of those low sal races where, you know, the rail rarely is the place you want to be out there. Outspoken spent a lot of time uh, at the rail. I thought cutting back here, switching circuits had the look of maybe a little bit of a of an interesting outsider so i'll mention the two and the 13 but i like your three as well i think it's a it's a spread and try to survive to kick off uh the, the late pick five that sound about right yeah that sounds about right and it's uh you know a fun race to do so if you're gonna write you're going to get right you're going to get paid as our racing analyst joe christofek says i think it's pretty wide open yes the old good betting race as we as we like to say Let's move on to leg B in this pick five. Race number eight is a $30,000 claimer. We've got some bread and butter stuff here going six furlongs on the dirt. I didn't have a super strong opinion in this one. I thought my top pick I wanted to make number four concept for the uh, for the Asmussen Saez team. I thought this horse now is a first time gelding looking at pace figures. Maybe had an opportunity to be loose in this spot and might represent value the one and the nine both look just very obvious on figures and form i didn't have a lot to add on those i was going to probably try to use all three and maybe press up the four a little bit what are your thoughts on race number eight 
you know, those are the, the three that I would key in on. And the way that I'm gambling on this Saturday is so, you know, typically it's a 39-2. So you're not having the, you know, most accomplished horses in the world in this race. And so, uh, you know, the form is sort of muddled on so many of these horses. So some chaos could happen. So in the late pick four, I'm probably going to spread deeper just, you know, in case I'm wrong um, in this pick five sequence. But, you know, I'll start with the rail horse fan, the fire who's adding Lasix for the first time in career start. Number eight uh, is back it, it, with Joe Sharp. Uh, third start off of a long layoff. I thought maybe could run better than that start last time suggested ran third that day um, at, at Churchill for the, the same level. I thought maybe can wake up adding Lasix and switching to Joe, Joe Sharp. The interesting thing about the four horse concept that you mentioned is you look at this work tab on this horse and I'm not one to question hall of famer, Steve Asmussen. He's, you know, <laughs> in my mind, the greatest to ever do it. October the 14th at Turfway, October the 19th at Turfway. Then you ship down to Churchill, October the 26th, ship back to Turfway, November the 2nd. And then you ship back to Churchill on November the 13th. So uh, the source has been well-traveled up I-71 North uh, first time gelding. And uh, I, I think, you know, maybe it's a little sneaky because the gate work two works back at Turfway was, you know, on paper 48-1. Maybe they're just trying to hide the gate work at Turfway. Uh, but first first start off the layoff. There's some things to very uh, be intrigued on this horse. I'm going to keep an eye on the early double will pays and, and what this horse is, uh, you know, come post time. And then the nine magnificent mile, uh, you know, Cipriotic Contreras is, you know, very good with these types of horses. This horse ran in a starter 30 last time out at Keeneland makes the class drop now to the, the 30 non two. I think is very live and probably will get claimed in here. So dangling them out, trying to go out as a winner on this horse, magnificent mile. So, you know, just the one, four and nine for me, but, you know, I, I'm with you on the force, Pete. You know, this that horse is a little bit intriguing in here. Well, win or lose together in race number eight, which brings us to race nine, the hinge of this late pick five. We've got an allowance race carded for the grass going a mile and a 16th. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, you know, I, I think many people have seen over the, the recent you know, week or so that we're we're day to day on our grass course. And so, you know, a call on this race will be be taken on Saturday morning if we're on the turf, if we're off the turf, you know, so keep that in mind, um, you know, on or off the turf. I think the two Johnny's fireball is very interesting. You know, this horse has dirt form when he was with trainer Phil Bauer back in the day. He's since been trained by uh, claimed by Norm Cassie for AJ suited racing, DC racing and, and the brilliant team, uh, you know, shows good turf form in two of the last three starts, but has that dirt form too, I think is one to use um, as well. If it stays on the turf too, I'd also use the six horse in this race, who is strong quality for Mark Cassie, uh, you know, exits an okay effort, you know, showing some speed in the tap at stakes last time out at Kentucky Downs could be a pace presence in here. And then English Tavern for Michelle Lovell, who's just to this horse's outside. I think is, uh, you know, exiting a, a career best effort and could run back if he uh, can return to that race, be very strong in here. If it's off the turf, I'd also include the two main track only the 13 and the 14. So, you know, two, six, seven, if it's on. And then if it's off, I'd use the two, 13, 14. Makes a lot of sense. I like strong quality in this spot. I think could have a pace edge. Very tricky race. A lot of horses that run kind of similar races. But I just felt like uh, Giroux might be able to get a tune out of this one and might be a little bit better than the than shown the last day at Kentucky Downs against that ridiculously uh, salty field. And I think 
it, I'm just going to reserve my dirt opinions. Cause if strong quality stays in on dirt, I think based on back races has a chance, but then you're also going to be looking uh, Brigadier general, the 14 you mentioned might become very, very tough in there. So I'm just going to list, I'll just list strong quality as my opinion in this race for you. We've got a two, six, seven on the turf and two thirteen fourteen on the dirt stakes action up next, the grade three Chaluki stakes for these fillies and mares three and up going a mile. And uh, I was interested. There were two that really stood out to me that I was going to probably stake my my pick five life on in here. That may not be deep enough, but I definitely need to use number nine, hot and sultry horse that has all that early season promise to run back to. You know, definitely had excuses in the Derby City distaff, not least of which the fact that she hasn't been seen for almost uh, 200 days since. But uh, you got this, I mean, you tell me, but I mean, just the work tab on paper leaps off and suggests a runner who's going to be ready to come out firing. And I will not be getting beaten by my old pal, Hidden Connection, who I think fits really, really well in this spot on uh, on figures and should get a nice trip just in behind the speed. I was going to try to just lock it up three and nine, leaning against some of the other logicals in here. How do you see it? You know, the one thing I'll, I'll mention first with Hidden Connection, she was uh, re-entered in the Falls City at a mile and an eighth on Thanksgiving Day. So oh, I think the plan is going to be to keep her around two turns. So you may yep. have to hold off that Hidden Connection thought until Thanksgiving Day. Uh, but, uh, I, I, you know, I, I think she's just as live at, at one turn, but I think, you know, the two turns in the Falls City may be their plan. But Hot and Sultry, as you mentioned, with that work tab, you know, 58 and three, two start, two works back. At Churchill, I can see her showing some early gas from the outside with Ricardo Santana Jr. and being a very, you know, tough pace presence. And I always like the outside draws when going this one turn mile at Churchill. It's sort of, you know, say, oh, why would you like outside versus inside? And when they come out of the chute, you know, you kind of make a little bit of a left turn to go on to the main track. And I always think the outside horses have more of an advantage. So I'm definitely going to use her in my tickets. And as well as the inside horse, uh, nostalgic for Belmont, who made her first start off a little bit of a layoff last time out in the Bell Dame, ran third. I wouldn't, uh, you know, take that effort into too much consideration. That was around a mile and an eighth. I think yep. she's going to be better at this one-turn mile. You know, she won at Saratoga at that interesting uh, mile configuration, two starts back. <laughs> I think she's uh, very, you know, very interesting in the cutback in here. She's nine to two on the line with Florent Giroux. So the inside and outside horses for me and the Chaluki Pete are the uh, ones to beat. And the nostalgic form, certainly from that last race, seeing what randomized did, how big she ran in the distaff only bolsters that form a little bit. I hear, I hear where you're going um, with those two ideas in the Chaluki. As you mentioned earlier, we close things out with uh, more maiden special weight action for, for these two-year-olds, I'll, I'll nominate one first in here that I just had a little bit of an angle on. I'm not sure. It, it's tough because there's mixed signals with this number five, Velvet Kisses. Mastery has notably bad numbers with first-time starters, especially with two-year-olds. But the dam one first time out with a career top. And this is another one where just looking at this work tab, 
just looked strong. And I thought Velvet Kisses might have a chance to outrun her odds. Not a race where I'd feel super comfortable standing alone, but sometimes in these sequences, one way to try to build up value on a seemingly half clever idea you have in the last is to try to just get alive to a runner like this. And then you're in position from there to maybe find out some other horses to use. So that, that was the one I really wanted to mention the five velvet kisses, but really curious to get your ideas as we close things out under the twins buyers. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely using her in my tickets for those reasons that you mentioned. And, you know, I haven't seen her in the morning. She's based at Keeneland, but uh, you know, showing a, a bullet work 47 and one out of the gate. Those gate works are typically faster at Keeneland than you see on paper at, at Churchill. So, uh, but uh, nevertheless, I do think that she's very live in this race. I thought the nine uh, Adelique was very interesting to use in her second start. She uh, showed some pace from the inside last time out at Keeneland. I think she's going to benefit more of a, with more of an outside draw. That was a maiden $150,000 claiming event. Now you're going into main special weight. I wouldn't really take that as, you know, too much of a class hike in this race because I don't know how many superstar fillies maybe in this race compared to that race last time out at Keeneland. I do think the key with her is, is breaking more towards the outside. She's drawn in the number nine hole with Brian Hernandez Jr. I think she learned a lot from that race and uh, can benefit from that experience for John Service, you know, an East Coast-based trainer. Uh, this horse was working at Parks and Monmouth before uh, coming down to Kentucky, sticks in town to uh, compete here at Churchill Downs. Uh, I think she's very live. She's 6-1 to one on the morning line. And then one other that I'm going to throw in here is Copper Drop for Steve Asmussen. Uh, you know, he's by Copper Bullet, who Asmussen trained out of a tap at Mare. Uh, debuted on the turf going 5.5, but I do think can go okay on the dirt as well. Uh, you know, one to include in here. Uh, you know, switching surfaces. But I do agree with your five Velvet Kisses, definitely live, and as well as the nine. Add a leak for me to close things out, just those three. I like it. There was some pedigree with Copper Drop as well, as I recall. Some some good, some winners on the on the damn side. I do think that's probably one of the wise ones to uh, to attempt to to include in here. Is hopefully we'll uh, be able to get the money at Churchill Downs on Saturday. Kevin, really appreciate you coming on here, and we got a big weekend next week with the two year olds. Uh, hopefully, we can reach out to you again and hear what you've been hearing, see what you've been seeing at Churchill Downs, and uh, just appreciate you in general, and look forward to having you back soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Pete. Really fun weekend ahead, and of course, save your bankroll for next weekend. Kentucky Derby Future Wager Pool 2 is next weekend, as well as tons of stakes action on Thanksgiving weekend, a fun way to close out the fall meet here at Churchill. That's a great idea. We should do something special on that show uh, as as one of our segments. We'll, we'll, put that, we'll put that in the list. Do you know when that goes live? Yeah, so we'll release the field for the Future Wager on Monday, and then on Thursday, uh, the field will go live Thursday through Sunday. It also runs coinciding with the Kentucky Derby Sire Future Wager, where you can gamble on the Sires uh, as well. 40 interests in both of those pools uh, Thursday through Sunday next week. Oh, that's great. Oh, excellent. Well, we're gonna, we'll be covering it all here on uh, the In the Money Media Network. What a great way to kick off, really, our Triple Crown coverage of next year. There's no rest in horse racing. Breeders' Cup's done. Boom. Let's start talking Kentucky Derby. <laughs> Love it. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate you. We'll talk soon. Absolutely. Good luck. Next up on the show, we bring in a very familiar voice. He is not coming to us from Saratoga. He is in his native planet, the planet Texas. He's Jonathan Kinchin. What's up, JK? PTF, it's uh, it's uh, back from lots of adventures. I was in Chicago. Uh, it took everything in, in my power for, for my father-in-law and I not to go over to Hawthorne, but we, we, uh, we stood... <laughs> We was stood. He was asking lots of questions about it, though. He was like, well, "How far is it from here?" 
I said, I was like, Rod, don't get us in trouble here. <laughs> did Duke win? I, is this how little I pay attention to college basketball? They did. They did. They beat Michigan State. And then uh, the game after that was Kentucky and Kansas, and it was, it was a great basketball game. Uh, Kentucky played extremely well, but they lost. I know you, you earned the ire of many um, of the Kentucky supporters. Was it the other year when you were wearing Duke merch? Was that at a Duke-Kentucky game you were wearing the Duke merch? And yeah. It spread all over social media like wildfire. But I don't understand what they were so upset about. It's not like I was a Kentucky fan or something. You know what I mean? Like I, 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 I guess because I was on KSR, I think that that's what's linked me to the, the Kentucky fans mad at me for having on the Duke things. I think Matt Jones uh, ex- expressed his disappointment. But he, he, if I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, Matt went to Duke Law. So, <laughs> you know. There's very time. bad feelings between this. I mean, I think it makes, honestly, I think, you know, Christian Leitner makes Yankees Red Sox look like friend, friends. You know, I, I think there's there's a, there's just a lot of hate. There's just a lot of hate when it comes to those two. Oh, players. yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially in the Kentucky hating uh, hating Duke direction. Well, yeah. Well, but, what, you know, look, if, if, if your wife hands you a Duke hoodie and you didn't go to North Carolina, put the damn thing on. Like, you know what I mean? What, what are you gonna do? It's pretty funny. Any any other interesting uh, adventures out there in in Chicago? You see any of the worst playing world out there? No, ran into someone who said thanks for Elite Power. He saved all of his money for the entire Breeders' Cup for Elite Power and and and, and hit pretty good. So That's I saw impressive him discipline actually. Yeah, I saw him in the beer line, so that was nice. Uh, That's very good. That's very good. Um, yeah, that that uh, I, I'm still like I'm I'm ready to move on in the last segment. We we talked to uh, Kevin Kirstein. He mentioned about the Derby. They've got this cool Derby future wager, but also the Derby sire future wager coming out next year, which next not next year, next week. Um, so we can finally turn the page. But it's funny. I'm every bit of programming. I'm, I'm, I keep thinking of oh, we got to do a you know I want to do this debate, this BCBC strategy debate between Matt Miller and Marshall Graham. We've had so many questions and follow ups from the Sean Borman appearance that Sean has graciously agreed to do another sort of Q&A appearance for us. So it's it's funny. I, I like I'm trying to move on for the Breeders' Cup, but all my ideas are still basically talking about Breeders' Cup. It's 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 an event that has uh, has that kind of that, that kind of an impact, I think. But I'm also looking forward to getting to watch you not this weekend, but next weekend host. I'm half tempted to turn up at Aqueduct and, and heckle you and, and see if I can get you to break on camera. Well, I tell you what, the first time I did it, it was one of the most stressful things I've ever done. It's just so hard because, you know, when you're sitting there to the to the left of the host, then you, you know, there's, there's, you're responding to conversation. You speak when spoken to. It's frankly, it's easy. Right. And then every now and then they'll get in your ear. Well, you know, Bobby or Terrence or Evan will get in my ear and say, JK, you know, we're coming to you and, and you know, or JK, you're next with, 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 with I'm very busy. And then Lafitte sets me up and then I talk about I'm very p- busy while I'm covered with video. It's like th- doing or doing that job is so much easier than doing the hosting job where you have to direct all the traffic. You have to know what's coming next. They're in your ear a lot more. You have to do the ad reads. And it's just it's just it's it, you, you know, you can't really I can fake it and sit there and not really be fully paying attention if I'm sitting on the other one, but you can't do that in the other, in the other no, setting. So no, no. 
You gotta be on. You gotta be on point. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I would never actually harass you while you were on air. I'd think about it, but I wouldn't actually do it. But let's focus on this Saturday first, my friend. We've got, and I said something wrong last week when talking about the Red Smith. I thought that was going to be the last turf stake of the year in New York, but we've got a couple of them, um, and they're pretty interesting. We kick off the sequence on the turf, and uh, in all. Um, Actually, I, yeah, we do kick it off on the turf with a stake. And in all probability, we're staying on because the weather's actually been pretty good here this week. Uh, unseasonably nice. Race number five being the Hill Prince, grade two action for these three-year-olds. And, and the horse in here that I was immediately drawn to that I think is going to take uh, a ton of uh, beating is number three, integration for Suge McGahee off that awesome run without particularly the benefit of a setup in the Virginia Derby. I was going to keep it simple and go with integration in this spot. Is that how you see it? You want to bring some others in to the conversation? Yeah, I mean, I, look, I think integration makes a ton of sense, but uh, I, I can't get away. Uh, I'm going to have to pick up some value elsewhere. Uh, I can't get away from Equitize, who was impressive first time out for Chad early in the three-year-old year back in March. So the figure might be a little bit light in comparison to what integration did in September, but you'd like to think this horse will take another step forward. If I don't, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that like Equitize was kind of like one of those uh, Chad loved type of things. And obviously he's had a little bit of a setback that kept him from running throughout the summer, but here he is back now uh, late in his three-year-old year. And I, I think we'll be able to have a little bit of a figure improvement to be competitive with integration. And then I've always been a, I'm very busy fan um, based on his two-year-old races. Some of those two-year-old figures, I, I expected him to come back on July 22nd and win. And he didn't. I expected him to come back on September 2nd and win, and he didn't. And then he's finally kind of come back around when I wasn't paying attention October 4th and he won. <laughs> um, but I, I do think he is a talented racehorse who showed what he had as a two-year-old, and I think he's another one that might have kind of figured it out. I don't think this is a foregone conclusion for integration, although he is a likely winner. I think the four equitize and the, uh, the eight I'm very busy need to be used as well. Four, three, eight for you to kick things off? Absolutely. We stay on the turf for an allowance race in race number six, kicking off our late pick five, a mile and an eighth on the turf here with a, a big full field scheduled to go postward. JK, we'll keep it with you. Yeah, I'm a little spready here. Um, you know, there wasn't one that I necessarily wanted to kind of kind of lean on. Uh, I think you need to use Dancing with the Stars, Dancing with the Stars, uh, moving to the Dutch Row Barn. Dutch Row, we've talked about having a great year, and, and, we, and we actually talked about him last week. Uh I'm going to vote that, that Harry Hood's not going to duplicate that performance from last time um, that he won last time for, for Hennig. And then I'm going to use uh, Barrage and Cyber Ninja, the 10 and the 11. And then I'll use the seven so high as a B horse. I, I, this is a, one of those races where they all kind of look the same um, and trip's going to win here. And it's hard to predict who's going to get the best trip. We have uh, very much of a similar shortlist. I did go back and chisel and got it down to two that I did want to press, starting with the 10 Barrage, who I thought would get the best trip. This horse, I think, can sit mid-pack, should get a good setup, and I think this is class relief for that one. Absolutely with you on Dancing with the Stars, plenty of back races, Dutch Rowan, race should set up for a closer, and... I, you're sort of tempting me to throw so high in here in the thought that very likely the best speed. And I, I don't like it. I don't like standing alone with two closers, even in a race where I think there's going to be a bit of a boil over. I always like to have a horse I think is going to be the best speed. And, and maybe that is so high. Was that your thought in including so high? Yeah, just, you know, he's right there and on figures, right? And I didn't want to get beat. Obviously for, for low percentage connections, 
but he was he's right there on numbers, um, dropping in from some of those stakes races. I didn't want to ignore him off of those. My case against Cyber Ninja is pretty soft. I was just thinking this is a horse that's going to take a ton of money and has had a couple of good setups in a row. And I just like those other closers uh, better from those inside posts. I'm not strongly against on certain configurations. I would need zero problem with somebody including, but I'm not going to put in the official reckoning of my tickets that we send out to our In the Money Plus folks. We have stakes production for two-year-old fillies up next in the key sense and a field of eight going postward. I was pretty keen on the three in here, JK. Kara's time. This is a horse who on pace figures, despite the fact that has been running at, at farther distances, um, has a chance to be up on the lead. But I think what will probably happen on that turn back and distance from the mile is she's going to sit just off the other speed and get an absolutely perfect run through. Some might see the last race and say, oh, blue time form US fractions and still didn't win. But I just like the fact that she's still uplined in that race. The pace figures were getting faster at the end. I think she's going to be really well suited to this spot. I was going to try to press up the three and see if I couldn't get out of the key sense, uh, picking up a little bit of equity there. How do you see it? Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to use two a horses and then a single B horse. I'm going to single a, the three who I don't necessarily trust, but just, you got a horse with that kind of, you know, consistency, that kind of pace, um, you know, the drop, you know, running in stakes. I, I just, you, you got, you can't try to get too cute. I think my cuteness is, is not singling a horse like that, which on paper, I think is a horse that many might try to lean on uh, just because of the record. I, I, look, I, I like solo shot a lot here. And for those that, that, that weren't necessarily paying attention in the summer, uh, a funny behind the scenes story. Um, obviously, if you look at the ownership group, Bregman racing, um, for, for Alex Bregman, the, the, the baseball player for the Astros and then Swinbank stables who people who listen to these airwaves know Reagan Swinbank, uh, one of the partners on a lot of the black type horses, but then has also sure. kind of had his own situation. Reagan was in Saratoga. He was my neighbor, basically two ho- two houses down for me all summer. So he'd come by in his golf cart. He went over there every morning to hang out with George Weaver and see his horses. And, and, uh, the morning of August 27th, unsolicited Reagan texts me, do not bet our horse in the first can't win. <laughs> so, so, uh, so, okay. So then I see him at the track that day and he tells me the story. Like, He's like, JK, we were over there. We were hanging out. Manny comes off, comes back to George's barn and says, boss, you know, he's telling George, I don't know this horse. He just can't run. He did. He, he was bad. And, and, uh, and, and he gave, he gave Reagan a thumbs down. They all hated the horse. George included. He even said it in his post-race interview. He's like, I didn't think this horse could run at all, but they didn't want to give the horse up for a tag or whatever. No one, it, it was just a whole thing. And the horse gallops by seven. Unbelievable. And, how, and, and the horse was bet. Who was betting this horse to five to two? They were all betting because it was in the. It's in the midst of this run that that he's had that George gotcha, has had. With all the two year olds, right? So everyone else. I mean, I think Andy Serling picked the horse, but he because he didn't know the things that we knew about the filly. Um, he, and he might have picked it double if he knew the things that you knew. Exactly. So <laughs> she just tricked him in the morning. But if you look at her last five works, four of twenty seven, three of seventeen, ten of thirty three, a maintenance work. 10 of 37. I think she's figured it out a little bit and I think that she's going to run even better than she's been running. Um, so I, I'm going to, I'm going to use her as a, as an a horse as well. And then I'll use the seven Ashburn alley as a single B. We need a term for a reverse morning glory, which sounds like what solo shot uh, was or is. You know, the horse yeah. Or just the, just that they figure it out, you know? Um, yeah, well, 
Oh, for sure. I mean, we you definitely see the penny drop with horses that weren't great workhorses, but just that idea of a horse on debut who hasn't shown anything, who then you know runs off the screen like that—that's a wild story. I love it, and uh, and yeah, Godspeed to, to to Reagan who's doing more and more stuff on his own as well with the with the blessing of his and help of his other uh, black type partners. Always root, always root for that lot around here. As people know, we've been working with them since the very beginning and had a great time. That was a really fun show. We we did a private event, first time we've ever done this non non broadcasted quote unquote podcast for the for Reagan and the Black Type team um, during Breeders Cup week, and that was it was it was fun just sort of doing something so informal like that. It was sort of reminiscent of the old days, you know. No, it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was it was good. There was one uh, some kid tried to get try to get cute with you, but but we we reeled them in, didn't we? What was I don't even remember. I'm, 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 I was just like on the whiskey. Yeah, I think he was just like a random friend of the friend of a friend of a friend who probably didn't know that we were as close or connected as we were to the to the to the hosts. And yeah. I think he said something smart ass about like what happened to Archangelo. Like, like, like what? I don't. What? <laughs> He, he bruised his foot. I, I don't know. Was that, a, was that try, you trying? Was that trying to? You trying to be a whammy on? Was I don't know. You're, but he said it like he said it like he like he dunked on us. You know, kind of looked around for reaction. And I was. Just, oh my god! It didn't make any I, sense. I, some sometimes my body, especially when I'm in like on air or host mode, I'm very good at tuning out the irrelevant. It sounds like that might have been what's happening. Yeah. There. So god. Race number eight. We've got two year old maiden fillies going a mile and a sixteenth on the turf, and a and a, a big full field in this one. Uh, this is a tricky race to evaluate from this far out, but um, I did have an, an old pet angle I want to bust out, but let me get your thoughts first. Yeah. You know, this one's tricky, right? It's, it's one of those situations where there's a lot of unknowns. So there's a lot of guessing. I will say this, the one before you go, go horse always took money at Saratoga and two of the are last, sure four- that wasn't just all the wham fans that are up there. Do you even get that that reference? No, no. Is that a Jay-Z song? (laughs) Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go? I do know that song. Yeah, Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go. And the dam is Wake Me Up and the horse is Before You Go-Go. So I thought there's maybe just the cleverness of the name. It could have had a lot to do with it. It could have had a lot to do with it. (laughs) But I will will say this back. I I do remember I had had a note this horse did have good works at Saratoga on the dirt. So I think they took some money there. And I think maybe it's just one of those situations of like, okay – just not showing the talent that she's been showing. Well, let's give her a swing on the grass. She's um, and she's got two turf works, October eighteenth and the twenty fifth on the grass, and then Todd elects to run on the grass. I'm fine using her. I'll use the four positive carry a horse that ran well first time out, and then Chad runs back in a stake as a maiden. Obviously, got to be some talent there. And then the eight spinned a lot. Uh, I mean, I just think if you know people talk about looking up pedigrees and stuff, this horse is a full to consumer spending. So, like, what yep. more? What more do you need to see in terms of using this horse? And another good runner, too, another sibling that was a winner, uh, an empire maker that was a winner on, on on turf. So you'd like to think that the eight spend, spend a lot can likely run. Four and eight were in my reckoning of the race. But my interesting horse here, I think my interesting horse, is the number two dancing Dean. Um, and I just, I like this idea of, uh, I like the idea of Mott getting his hands on one that has the one dirt start. It wasn't in his care when the horse ran on dirt and switching to the turf with a horse that has has some turf pedigree if you if you poke through you got to go you got to go a little deep in there 
But if, if you go back, especially to the to the second family, I think this dancing dean could take to the turf and could just run a lot better. And off that horrendous looking race from Saratoga, I mean, I really do think will be every bit of this 15 to one. So I'm going to try to get the two in the mix along with the four and the eight to try to uh, spice things up a little bit in Aqueduct's eighth race on Saturday. We got more stakes action in race number nine, the Aqueduct Turf Sprint Championship. Six furlongs, a lot of pace apparently signed on. Uh, an old friend in thin white Duke, I know for me, needs to be part of the conversation. But let's throw this open to you. What numbers do you project will be on your tickets? Yeah, look, you know, I'm always going to lean speed when it comes to these turf sprints. Uh, I'll say for sure, I feel certain about one thing, and that's that the four-hour shot is probably the best horse in here, right? Um, our shot ran well last time, although the pace was extremely fast. Our shot does have some back numbers that could blow this field away if he can run back to that, uh, to those numbers. Um Look, all, nothing better. It was a horse that I like was in love with at one point, but seems to be trending in the right direction. I'll use that one as a B just to be safe. Thin White Duke will be an A for me as well. That horse just always kind of shows up. But the horse that I'm going to kind of key in here and a, and a horse that I like quite a bit, uh, and it's a kind of against my turf sprint religion, is the one wit. Um, I just think that on that, that this is the best, most accomplished horse in the race right i mean he was a you know he ran extremely well as a two-year-old he's won long and uh, in, in stakes going and he's run you know he's run well going shorter as well i thought he ran fine uh in that off the turf race back in october i think drawn on the inside with some pace they're going to run away from him kind of make that circling one run move in, in a race that i think his stamina will come into play a little bit the stamina that he has i think what i think wit's pretty interesting uh so i'll be be sure to use him as an a horse as well Give me the reckoning between the A's and B's. I got a little lost writing. Yeah, one, right? one, four, um, 11 are the A's. And then I'll use nothing better, the six as a B, just in case he decides to to show up and run some of his past races that he used to run. Yeah, I want nothing better as the presumptive best speed or the you know possible best speed. Definitely clear on Timeform US. I have nothing against our shot other than price and you know, this horse is maybe a little bit flattered by setup last time, but, you know, probably is going to be flattered again. So I want that one on tickets. Top pick for me, though, is going to be number 11, Thin White Duke, getting back onto the best surface, this horse who just thrives on his racing. I think he could be seen to really good effect here in a race with a ton of pace signed on and just be a better price. So I'm going to call it 11, 6, and 4 for me in the Aqueduct Turf Sprint Championship. One more race to talk about. It's a starter allowance for fillies and mares going six furlongs. And uh, we've got a big full field to close this one out. Nice not to have a maiden claimer in this spot. At least we have, you know, a little bit maybe more reliable form to go on when it comes to this pick six at Aqueduct on Saturday, JK. How are we going to get paid? Yeah, I mean, just based on the years she's had, you, you got to give you got to give Linda a lot of a lot of, of a push here. She hasn't had the meat that she had at Saratoga, but, you know, based on the meat she had at Belmont, the way she had at Saratoga, she, it's... It, you know, it's 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 going to be hard to kind of continue the the momentum. But yes. I will say this: she claimed this horse for forty, and then upped in class to uh, the starter position. Um, this horse has the best last figure, depending on what you look at. Timeform US is is one that I like to trust a little bit. I, I thought she ran well, so I'm going to use she's awesome as as an A. Um, and then I wanted to use the six as well, Shaman Princess. I understand that the last two races were run well on the turf, but was it the turf? That, that kind of moved her up or did she just get good? 
I think she just got good. There's a couple of dirt races in the past where I thought she ran well. Uh, that muddy race in June at Belmont, the pace figures in that race were unbelievably fast. So I have no problem with her getting tired late. Uh, the, the, the race, you know, the, the one on April 23rd at Aqueduct, I thought ran extremely well, fast pace, just got a little bit tired. I think she's a better horse now. So I trust her to run back. Those are the only two I'm going to use the five and the six. I spread a little bit early, so I got to get skinny late. I'm with you on the six. I had Shaman Princesses potentially being able to shake loose looking at the time form U.S. graph. You know, not exactly the world's most winning kind with just the one for eight. But but on pace alone, I definitely wanted to leave in there. The other one I thought was pretty interesting at what might be a decent price is the number two. Bella Principessa, second off the layoff here, getting back onto dirt. Has some very solid old dirt races. I don't think this is a case of a horse just looking for a spot. I, I think Bella Principessa could have a chance to to prove the best closer in a spot like this. I was going to try to get out. I respect the five and in some combinations would have as a backup, but for my official picks, I'm going to call this one six and two to close things out at the big A. What else is going on? Anything else we need to talk about before we, before we let you go? Do you have a, you have any good conspiracy theories about the crazy uh, super the pool stuff we saw this week? I honestly haven't even looked at it. I haven't. I oh, you have, haven't heard. You, you know I what I'm st- talking about. No, you got to tell me. Oh, I saw a little bit about it, but tell me about yeah, it just for the for the for the record. Sure, there, was just, there were some wildly like wildly out of proportion, looked like a bot gone wrong kind of pools in some obscure like random obscure tracks with all of a sudden having like a super pool more than what they are making up the details, but longer than what you typically see on a day in in one, you know, like. 10,000 in one pool, 10,000 in the next pool, 700 in the next pool. It was very, very strange and definitely the kind of thing I'm sure Pat Cummings will be uh, investigating and letting us know his theories on. If it was funny business, I couldn't figure out how the funny business was going to work. Or, you know, if, if, the, if there was a scam, I couldn't figure out the scam, but I didn't spend that long getting my head around it. Yeah, I, mean, I guess, but, you know, I guess this is any time that happens it does it does make you wonder like well that's so weird there's got to be something that i'm missing as to why it's so weird you know what i mean like what's exactly like when you see you know so it reminds it's reminiscent of like the weird pool manipulation you'll see where people do weird they play weird games in the pools to make like a show payoff huge so they can you know beat somebody up offshore you know there's no obvious that's obvious cheating and you know what's going on with it because it's just so obvious with something like this i i don't quite i don't quite get it i I have a feeling it'll be a topic a big topic of discussion out at arizona and and maybe we can get some reporting done or or have somebody like pat explain it to us because i do know a lot of players have questions and it's not you know i mean you see there's always such a rush to judgment with some some people who probably shouldn't be listened to about, you know, oh, it's all, everything's stacked against us. Like, it's not, yeah, a lot of things are stacked against horse players, frankly, but taking everything you see and making a conspiracy theory case that it's all something against the player is, you know, obviously taking it too far. But there's no doubt the game could do a better job investigating and putting out information about this stuff just so we feel more confident betting into these pools. That's that's sort of where I am with the story right now. Yeah, I mean, that makes a ton of sense to me as well. I mean, it's just, but, you know, look, I mean, uh, in, in full disclosure, Pat Cummings reached out to me and just like sent me a text message. I'm sure he sent it to a handful of people of just like, what do you think are the five things that we do well in the sport, five things we need to do better, and five things we got completely wrong. And I think part of probably his new role with, with, with Rapoli and the, in the I don't remember the name of it, so sorry about that, Mike and Pat. Um, NTA? NTA. 
Um, one of the things I said is like, you know, it's, 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 it's a little bit shameful how behind the technology eight ball we are in terms yes. of our tote. Um, yes. Especially with just all of the, the, the way that the, the, the computer science has grown and elevated with AI and encoding and tech and, and instant this and instant that we, we we're so we're so antiquated and it's like that's something that has to be fixed but the problem is is that the the powers that be don't see the motivation they don't they don't see the the the, the benefit i think of spending the money that they would need to spend in the tech and the way that it needs to work is that everyone needs to decide that the tech has to get better and then they all chip in to do it. So it's like, it can't just be Keeneland who does it. It's got to be Keeneland, Churchill, Del Mar, Stronic, Naira, um, basically those powers, if they would all get together and, and find a way to put their money together to get our tote infrastructure and our tote technology to a better place, it solves problems like this. You know what I mean? It's like, hard. It's hard in the USA with the three different totes. This was something really interesting that came up at that World Tote Association forum that Vanessa and I had the pleasure of hosting during Breeders' Cup week. It's the fact that like the, the, some of these players are already in bed with the tote companies, and it's not all the same. It's not as simple as you know fixing one thing. It sounds like you basically have to fix three. But I'm not saying that as an excuse. It absolutely needs to happen because having it as it does now does two things that are really, really negative. And this is something, uh, you know, I'll talk to Pat about at great length. I'm sure he already knows. But it, with, with the tote system being what it is, it stifles innovation. I mean, how many times have you and I pitched creative ideas and they get sort of shelved or pushed off because, you know, oh, tote, tote we'd have to do X, Y, Z with tote. I mean, I know you know this. I'm singing to the choir telling you about this with some of the cool ideas you've had for tournaments and such. But then, you know, maybe even the bigger problem is the appearance of impropriety and less so with these anomalous super pools that we saw this week. But every day with the late odds shifts, you know, that you and I believe are I mean, I believe, you know, probably 90 percent, maybe more is just technology lag. But it looks horrendous and yeah. it opens up the possibility that there's fun it it, it throws a lot of kerosene on the conspiracy theory but, and, yeah, but it's, it's just so it's such an annoying thing right when it comes to that because like that is a the 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 late odds drop thing is such a it's such a problem solving it's such a it's such a solved it's a solved problem right like if you just take the pools that are closed and use the exacta that is active and has a lot more data involved more data points than just the wind pool to get a, a clue of what's happening you can tell people on the graphics this horse projects to go off at four to one so the eight to one on the board right now don't get carried away with that and then when the late flash happens to four to one you just tell the customer see i told you it it it, it, <laughs> it doesn't it, it it doesn't it's like it doesn't make any sense. Like, it, it, you know, it's it's basically what it's like. And I'm flying today, so I'm thinking about it like this. And I'm and knock on wood, I'm not jinxing myself. <laughs> if if American Airlines did not communicate to me that my flight was delayed, but then I showed up, waited, 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 and then one minute before we're supposed to board, they say, oh, by the way, your flight's delayed two hours. It would be very aggravating, more aggravating than them texting me at 6 a.m. in the morning telling me your flight today at 6 o'clock has been pushed back two hours. Just just let me know and I can then make decisions in my life. 
but but we we just you 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 try to tell someone, hey, why don't you just do that? It just takes an Excel sheet and in a in a in a minimum wage employee to type that in into a graphics thing, and they're just like, no one no one's done it. I it, it's nuts, and we you know we preached this hard last year at the symposium. We got some nibbles, but not much has happened. Anyway, it'll be another topic that comes up out there. I, I think you make a great point. That's a very good analogy I hadn't even really thought about before. It's it's pretty pretty much dead on. Just trying to provide the you know God forbid you provide the customer with all the best information that's going to encourage them to bet more. You know, it's it's just it pays for itself and it solves itself in that. And and it's not even a proper you know obviously the the proper fix is real time information. If that while we wait for that, which may be like waiting for Godot. We, if we could have this patch fix, it would be a very positive thing. Anyway, wasn't planning on that tangent, but I'm glad that we had it. Um, the other things going on, just to just to remind everyone, because um, I forget we have this, we have this audience. Um, uh, old smoke stuff. There is we have our our club shirt that we our club thing from last year. Excuse me, where we had those four exclusive shirts that you know no one else got unless they were in the club. We're, we're, we're signed. We're rolling again on those four shirts, our new four shirts for next year. When does it close? When do you have to sign up by? So I think like we, you'll if you do it now. There's a price. This is I think this is the truth. If you do it now, there's a certain price. I think it's like two fifty. I think there's going to be a Black Friday number that's going to be higher than this one, if I'm not mistaken. And then it will go up again, and like I think it will go all the way till Christmas. But it will it will go from two fifty to to oh, I probably three fifty. So if you're gonna do it, you're better off doing it now. And then yep. today, at some point today, this this will probably be out uh, before we do it. We are launching the custom blazers, right? So you can get a black, blue, or gray blazer. Very nice material, like proper stuff. And the, you can get a custom inside lining of anything of your choice. So, you you know, I have one that has a saddle cloth thing on there. But if you have silks, awesome. you can put silks in there. Um, we actually have a – I have a saddle cloth designed for every individual number. So if you wanted like a yellow lining, you can get all fours. If you wanted a green <laughs> lining, you can get all fives, a purple lining, all tens. And so – or if you just have like – like I said, silks or – um, anything, any, any of the shirts that we've done, you could get that lining in there. It's a hundred percent custom made just for you. That's um, so cool. And we, we launched those today. I think they're going to be, I think it's five ninety nine for the, for the blazer. I think it sounds awesome. We're going to check it out. What's the best place for people to go old smoke clothing.com slash JK, or is there a better one for the club? That's, that's the way to knock it out right there. Very cool. Promo code money. You can use our promo code too to get some free shipping if you're buying from there. You reminded me, I keep planning these shows. I might have to have an extra one or spread things out a little bit more because it's time for the degenerate gift giving guide. And obviously we'll feature, um, maybe we'll have you back on to talk about this then. And, you know, just we, we can BS about the, the holidays a little bit. Uh, we usually do that, I think, right around Thanksgiving. So we'll, we'll uh, I got to plan that. Jennifer Kelly always helps me with that. And, uh, you know, she's got her finger on the pulse of all the great uh, thoroughbred gifts going on. So look forward to that in your feed coming up. All right, JK, I feel like uh, it's time to uh, move on to the next segment. I got a guy waiting for me here in the green room. Did you get stuck on mute? It had to happen once. No, I was just, I was, I was laying out in TV, Pete, that's just, it's called laying out. I was just going to say you were done. Yeah. I was going to just, I was going to be quiet, but yes, it's good to see you. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> Cheers. We'll be back after some wrestling with technology. We are back for our final segment. Last but not least, we bring in our friend from North of the border at Woodbine, 
who will be here to talk about the JRA action this weekend and beyond. He's Klaus Ebner. Klaus, what's going on? Good, good, Pete. How are you doing? Things are good. I always like to start these segments by reminding people that if you want full coverage from the whole team on the JRA stuff Saturday night, as well as past performances to do a little bit of uh, form study, handicapping yourself, you can check out InTheMoneyPodcast.com in the middle of the afternoon on Saturdays. What do we have on tap this weekend, my friend? So this is another big one for Japan on the weekend. This is the grade one uh, mile championship. Uh, again, it's just uh, going to see the defending champion return to Kyoto in the form of Serifos. He was the winner of this event last year. Uh, you know, again, I, I think right now the, the race probably goes through him, in, in my opinion, Pete, in terms of just kind of where he's at form-wise. Um, but again, like usual, I, I won't be a trucking weasel. I'll, I'll, I'll turn and look elsewhere and, and see if I can find some value in the, on, on, the, on the card there. You know, Seraphos came, came in here off of a, you know, this is the first race back, uh, finished second to Songline in the Suda Keenan. Uh, prior to that was fifth in the Dubai Turf. So again, lots to like there. And you know we had they had the draw this past week and he drew well he he you know he drew eleven of uh, of seventeen or sorry sixteen rather so you know he's on the parking lot but uh, he should be right right about there and you know he has one of the top jocks in Japan in the form of Yugo Kawada so I think that the two of them will be a uh, formidable foe on the weekend but I, I do think there are others you know we 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 have some in here that you know we we've seen before in the forms of you know a horse like uh, Schnell Meister who we all sure. uh, an old favorite. We all know, yes, right. Uh, so, so you know, Schnellmeister uh, kind of has that form reference for Songline as well. Uh, they're both in that Manichi Okan Songline ran that Manichi Okan, finishing second to a horse who I really like in here, a three-year-old called Elton Barrows. Uh, but you know, Schnellmeister always has that late kick. Uh, you know, finishing third in his last two starts. Um, you know, again, he's a he's a consistent miler. Uh, you know, he seems to be on his best form right now. And he drew in post nine. He'll have Christoph Lemaire again. So again, lots to like there about Schnellmeister. Right? I think he'll probably go off as probably the uh, the second choice in here. But again, I'm, I'm kind of referring to my my kind of main pick in here, and that's Elton Barrows for me. This is a uh, quickly developing three year old by Deep Brilliante. He comes in off of four consecutive wins, uh, including beating Schnellmeister and Songline last time. So if you're able to beat both those two. Yeah. Uh, and to me, that shows you're a, a, a high quality animal. Um, you know, and again, he's, uh, he's done a little wrong so far with uh, three victories from four career starts and he's gone from strength to strength. Uh, again, this will be only his, uh, you know, what do you call it? Uh, ninth start from eight starts. So again, lost to the lost, lots of room to develop there for Elton Barrows. And I think, you know, he'll have a great running style. Uh, for the for this race, he'll probably sit you know third or fourth in the race. Uh, drew the seven in this in here, and I think he's going to be one that you know turning for home. You'll have to watch for. Not sure of the odds again. When, when people see all those ones on his PPs, they'll say, okay, yeah, he's the real deal. And also the fact that he did beat Songland and Schnellmeister in his last start. So you know, again, uh, I, I think you'll get some value in there, and uh, and we'll see how he does. But again, I, I think in my opinion, it probably goes through you know those three right now, uh, and then you have a few on the kind of you know. A few with question marks, you know, we have a, a, a Philly uh, Namur who gets Ryan Moore, so that that should draw some money as well, no doubt. Um, seeing as you know, we there, this is what everyone knows there will be some of the foreign jockeys riding in Japan over the next you know month or so. So we have Ryan Moore there, we have Joe Marrera who's also there. You also have uh, Tom Marcand and uh, and also uh, uh, sorry, I apologize, I'm trying to think of her name right now. But anyway, Holly make the trip. Did Holly make the trip with Tom? 
He did. Yes. Yeah, sorry. I think that's what it is. Sorry. So, so, so Holly's out, out there as well. So, you know, again, um, we're going to, you're going to see a good mix of, of foreign and, and obviously the local riders here, but uh, you know, sometimes you have horses that are, are going to have a, a massive jockey up uh, upgrade, you know, especially if you look in the form of uh, you know, the, the one horse soul rush and soul rush will have a, in my opinion, a huge up, upgrade to uh, you know, Joel Marrera, uh, sure. Came in here off of a win last time out in the uh, in the Grade Three Kisei High Autumn Handicap, and I think he's you know he's a he's a five year old that may surprise some people in here as as you know a horse that could could be in the back end. Uh, but again, with with the fact that he had a uh, a win last time out, upgraded Jean Marrero, maybe a, a horse that you look at um, who who may be a bit of a price with a good jock. Might be fun to get get Holly's take on it uh, on on riding over there. I've had the pleasure of interviewing her a couple of times and, and ran into her at the Breeders' Cup where she was on a band, so she couldn't ride, but she was there as an attendee. And it was funny seeing an athlete in that state class. It was like a caged animal. She really, <laughs> you could tell she wanted to get out there and uh, and be competing. And it's cool. She's going to get that chance with the top level uh, Japanese racing over the course, uh, presumably of the next few weeks. Will they stick over there for a little while while Japan is in full swing and while the English racing is in kind of a lull? Yeah, so some of them will be, you know, going over to Hong Kong to ride there as well for International Day. But, you know, again, usually the international riders will stay there on a short-term license. So it's very much what Christophe Lemaire and Mirko Demiro did before they permanently moved their tack over to Japan. So, you know, again, the, the JRA will issue what's known as temporary racing licenses to jocks, international jocks. So they'll be racing there for short periods of time, usually around their big races. Uh, and they are, they're a, what happens is they're actually assigned to a, a trainer in Japan. So the trainer will have kind of their, their book. They'll be kind of designated as a stable rider. So they will ride for those trainers when those trainers have horses and races. But outside of that, they're free to obviously apply their trade to, uh, to other horses and races, especially, again, in, in, the, in the big races. Very cool. It'll be an interesting, interesting angle to follow. And speaking of big racing in Japan, we're getting close to Japan Cup time. Do a little production meeting in the middle of the show. What do you think? Should we should we convene another roundtable? When when would we need to record to have all the information for for a show like that next week? Yeah, sure. So so usually with Japan Cup, Pete, they'll draw the entries relatively early. So we'll probably see those on the Wednesday before. So it'll be Wednesday of next week, more than likely, but we'll see the, uh, all of the final entries and draw and post editions and, and rider assignments. So, you know, there has been a, a bit of a, I'm not going to say shock, but for me, I, I was hoping to see him over back in Japan. And that's the Japanese bread continuous for Aiden O'Brien. He, uh, he came down sick. So that left and, you know, and Ryan Moore was supposed to ride him. Obviously, as everyone knows, Ryan Moore being the first call rider for Aiden O'Brien, uh, he was uh, he had an issue. He came out sick, so he's not going to make the the journey over to Japan. And again, I was sad to see that being he's by heart's cry out of a you know a Coolmore mare. So I certainly thought he had a big shot in there. But uh, again, that means that Ryan Moore will interestingly enough uh, return to his mount that he won the Japan Cup on last year, and that's Vela Azul. So yep. interesting to see the kind of the you know usual jockey merry go around that we have. Uh, but again, I think the the race itself revolves around two horses in my opinion and those are obviously equinox the world's best horse and then that outstanding three-year-old philly liberty island so race goes between uh through those two but again you never know uh, you know we're gonna see the defending champion there as mentioned vela azul to ryan moore so you never know it'll be a great showdown for sure i mean that's super exciting and how's the support card uh, for japan cup looking uh so usually those they'll have their their typical you know 
list of races, nothing spectacular, Pete, but they will obviously have a quality undercard uh, with a few listed stakes on the undercard for that uh, that day. Excellent. Well, I, I still think it deserves some special treatment with that giant showdown and a great weekend for betting, obviously, here in the States. We'll, we'll, we'll discuss when might be good for you and the team to hop on and, and do something for that over the extended weekend uh, next week. And hey, this is just a completely random question. What happens in Canada on American Thanksgiving? Does anybody care or is it just a Thursday? <laughs> well, we care because you know why, Pete? We get all the Black Friday deals. Ah, there you go. There you so go. That's, that's that's more the holiday yeah. for you guys. Our, our our wallets love uh, the American holidays, but uh, we we you know, we have our own Thanksgiving holiday, as you're aware, up here in Canada. Of course, we had, we had it last month, so that's our sort of Thanksgiving. But you know, for the most part, we enjoy all of the things that are American. So, you know, all, all of the deals, all of the, you know, pomp and circumstance that goes around with it, all of the sports and football that's being played on TV. So again, we, we enjoy all of that. We just obviously don't get the day off. <laughs> so funny to think of watching the lions and the Cowboys while being at work. But I guess, I mean, I guess that's just how it is. Yeah. Yeah. But again, they said all the, all the, uh, we, we certainly will wish, wish all of our, you know, friends and partners down the, down there south of the border, including yourself and your family, Pete, a, a happy Thanksgiving ahead of time now. Um, and but like I said, I'll, I'll be certainly looking at Amazon to see what kind of deals I can get. I love it. We'll be talking much more next week about Japan Cup and look forward to seeing you out in Arizona as well, Klaus. Appreciate your time today. And I love the Thanksgiving holiday message. What better way to end the show? Thanks, Pete. That's going to do it for this edition of the Players Podcast. I'd like to thank all of today's guests, as well as our founding partners, 10 Strike Racing and the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation. Learn more about the TRF and give generously to their awesome cause over at trfinc.org slash players. Thanks, though, most of all to all of you for listening, for watching, for making these shows so much fun to do. This show's been a production of In the Money Media. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatel. May you win all your photos.